given a moment by which we must be saved. Now when they heard, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, they perceived that they were uneducated, common men. They were astonished, and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. But seeing the man who was healed standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. But when they had commanded them to leave the council, they conferred with one another, saying, What shall we do to these men? For a notable sign has been performed through them. Uh, that is evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem. And we cannot deny it. But in order that it may spread no further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in this name. So they called them and charged them not to speak or teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered, Whether it's right in the Son of God to listen to you rather to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. And when they had been further and when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way to punish them because of the people. For all were praising God for what had for all were praising God for what had happened. For the man of whom the sign of healing was performed was more than 40 years old. This is the word. He's an old man. <laughs> um, I guess I skipped this one. Um, so what we're going to do is we're just going to go through again. I missed the one slide, so you have to just add that one. I'm going to go back. So we start here. So in the middle of uh, talking to people, and people are coming to know Jesus, all of a sudden, one of the commentaries called them the temple police. I think that, that's a very modern translation. But the, uh, the people in charge of the temple, they come, they arrest Peter and John, which is really rude. They're kind of in the middle of the sermon presented Jesus, so that's pretty rude. Um, it, the text says they are greatly annoyed. They're really annoyed, because they have just killed Jesus not that long ago. And they thought Jesus was dead, and they would like everybody to believe that he's still dead. But now these widows are proclaiming that Jesus was risen again, and uh, so they're greatly, greatly annoyed. And you can say the Sadducees are maybe even more greatly annoyed. Because this is uh, this is removing the foundation of all that theology. Because the uh, Sadducees don't believe in the resurrection, and they don't believe in anything spiritual. You're going to see that later in Acts that that when Paul is accused, he can see there's a division in the council. Some are Sadducees and some are Pharisees. And so then the, he knows the Pharisees believe in angels and believe in the resurrection. So he says, "I believe I'm here because of the resurrection." And then all the Pharisees say, "Hey, this guy, he's okay." <laughs> and the Sadducees are like, what? No, no, no. So, so, then, so the Sadducees are really, they're very annoyed. Because uh, what they're preaching and teaching um, is, uh, is uh, taking away the foundation of everything they believe in. And how they believe um, that God works. 
So, so they uh, rush upon. It, it's a, it, I, I guess it's a. It must have been a strange sight. You have all these people coming to believe in Jesus, and then all of a sudden these people show up and they take away like the two main people that are speaking. And then we also see the guys. I, I'm not sure. I was, I was thinking about: Do they throw the? Do they throw even the lame man in prison until the next day? And also, you would say they do today. When we, I mean, the police can do this today. You can be arrested, and then in Denmark, you can be arrested for 48 hours before you present it before a judge. But here, like they could have, they could have said, "Hey, you can meet back here tomorrow. We'll talk about it." No, no, they arrest them and put them in jail. And then just leave them there until the morning. And some of the things is that they are not allowed to have trials during that night, which they kind of forgot when they when they arrested Jesus. But um, but they're not allowed, allowed to have it by night. And also, you have to gather those seventy-one people to have the real trial. So that's kind of the strange beginning that we have of this text, and, and which we should have just read it, but then. And I was thinking about, you know, prison, Jerusalem, this time it's, it's probably not like a hotel or anything. It's probably not the most interesting thing, place to spend your evening. But maybe they are really, maybe they, I'm just, uh, this is just, this is me just, this is me just thinking, if I'm here, I'm just thinking uh, that, that they've just seen massive response to Jesus. They've seen how Jesus abused them again to preach the gospel, the good news that they can have their sins forgiven and come to Him. They've just seen the turning of thousands of people rushing uh, to them. So maybe they are not totally, <laughs> totally sad in the prison. Maybe they are really encouraged that all the things that Jesus has said so far is really happening. That they, that they are becoming witnesses and they are speaking and they're seeing Jesus are turning people's hearts to him. But they still have to spend the night in prison. But then the next day, uh, they're in five, so the next day they gather together in the they gather together in the Sanhedrin there, and, and then it starts becoming a little bit on the weird side because you have Annas the high priest, and you have Caiaphas, who used to be the high priest. And then you have John and Alexander, who nobody knows who is. And then all who were of the high priestly family was also there. It's like, what in the earth are they doing there? This is probably what you would call extremely nepotistic system. This, this council was not supposed to be made up of everybody who were of the high priest family. And also this high priest, also all of his sons at some point becomes the high priest, which it's not allowed. That's not the way it's supposed to be either. Um, and at this point in time, it also becomes very politi political what rulers of, uh, and everything. But there's something fishy about, about the council at this point and how it's made up. Um, and, and so they drag you, they get a, what, what do you call it? They get a, Peter and John, they, 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 they take them in, and then they, um, on the surface, it seems like a dumb question. It seems like. Why aren't we just celebrating that uh, Jesus healed him? Well, we're not celebrating because we don't believe in Jesus and we don't like him because we killed him because he was a blasphemer. So therefore, we don't want all this stuff going on. 
So uh, if we killed the one guy, we can't accept that they keep speaking in this name. Because we are the rulers of the Jews. We are the ones that are in charge of the theology. And we don't believe in Jesus. He's not the Messiah. He's a blasphemer. Therefore, we are, have to inquire these people in what name they have done this. But because they could also be, they could also be devil worshippers walking around healing people who have been lame for four years. I'm not sure why the devil would do that, but but um, but so, so there are a strange, strange question you may think, but they take it kind of seriously, at least as long as it follows their view. Um, so they're inquiring Peter and John, like, how, what, how did you do this? We know that you did it. How and by what name did you do this? Are you devil worshippers? Or are you worshiping Jesus? Or no, they don't, they don't want to mention Jesus' name either. But uh, we need to know in what name have you done this? And then, then uh, something beautiful happens. Uh, you know, they have it. Well, they had, they had the last night in the jail to think. But we don't hear anything about them making other sermon in the jail. So here comes uh, one of the prophecies, or one of the foretellings of Jesus comes here now, where he says that you will be tried. You will be before councils. Don't prepare what you're going to speak, because the Holy Spirit will speak through you at that time. So this is what we're seeing, and this is what happens when Peter, Peter responds. He's been filled by the Holy Spirit. He said he addresses the rulers and the elders. <laughs> and it's a funny, uh, it's a funny way because he um, he says that okay, so seriously, we are being examined. Oh, we're being examined because we did something good. Okay, let's just get it. Let's get this straight. We're being examined because we did something good to a man, right? We did something good to a crippled man. So this is why you're asking us how and why we did it, in what name we did this. Just to get it right. So we were examined because we did something good. Ah, uh, but they could be devil worshippers helping out. Well, but um, so we've been examined today because we've done a good deed to a cripple. And then he goes, "Let it be known to you and all the people." And this this part they really don't want to hear that it is in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth that this man. Ooh, and not even that. Because you know you know the Jesus. You know Jesus. It's the guy you killed. It's the guy you killed like a month ago. It's that guy. But he's not dead because right the guy raised him from the dead. In that name, in Jesus' name, this man who was lame for 40 years is now standing here well. That's what I'm talking about. It's in Jesus' name. And just to go just to go a little bit further to kind of dance. But he's he's kind of now he's pushing it now he's pressing it he's he's like he's on the, the because you kill Jesus in whom you don't believe he's raised from the dead and now listen to this Jesus is the stone you the builders because you are the leaders of Israel the Jews you rejected Jesus that stone. You have rejected. 
but he has become the cornerstone. And there's salvation in no one else, in no other name, or who we can say. You can say, like, why, why is that such a big deal? Well, that's a very big deal because because of Psalm 118. Because in the, the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Peter remembers what the psalmist wrote. Open up the gates of righteousness, that I may enter in through them and give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord, the righteous that enter through it. I thank you that you have answered me and have become my salvation. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Who has done this? This is the Lord's doing, and it's marvelous in our eyes. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. The psalmist prophesies about, about the Messiah here. That the Messiah would be rejected by the rulers, but will become the cornerstone. It's like, why would he be rejected? How could they even reject him? But that was even the Lord's doing. That they would reject him, but he would be made the cornerstone. You remember what Jesus said about this passage. He's just preached to the... And this is actually interesting. Some, some of the same people might be in that council. Maybe not. Maybe they're too, maybe they're too fancy to be in in this crowd. But this is also a crowd of Pharisees that Jesus just talked to. And he has preached and he has preached and talked about the parable of the wicked tenants. The tenants that kill the prophets, that kill even the son. And he asks, what will God do to those people? And Jesus said, and they said, he will put those wretches to a miserable death and let out the vineyard to all the tenants whom in, who will give the fruits in season. And Jesus said to him, Have you never read the scriptures? The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing, and it's marvelous in our eyes. Therefore I tell you, the kingdom of God will take be taken away from you and given to people producing its fruits. And the one who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces. And when it falls on anyone, it will crush him. And when the chief priests and the Pharisees heard this parable, they perceived that he was speaking about them. And although they were seeking to arrest him, they feared the crowds because they held him to be impossible. So some of the same people are actually hearing this again. Now Peter is expounding on what Psalm 118 said, and also what Jesus taught in Matthew, that Jesus has said, I am this stone. You are rejecting who I am, but I am the cornerstone. What happens to people who reject the stone? The people that stumble and fall will be crushed under the stone. They will be broken to pieces if they reject the stone. So that's a pretty bold statement that uh, that that uh, Peter says here to the to the council. 
So they, they start accusing him. He turns the table and accuses them. This is what you have done. You have killed God by the life. You have rejected the stone that is the foundation of all salvation. You have rejected that. All you got is God's wrath on you from this. You repent. Peter has, Peter has preached two amazing sermons that thousands of people have come. This is his third sermon. And let us just say he does not get the same response in the council as he has had before. It falls on very deaf ears. But just before we go there, uh, Peter and Paul, they take off this again. And so if we go to Ephesians, and now, now we become included also, so you don't have to worry. This is, that's Peter. So from Ephesians, Paul takes up this metaphor as well. So the Ephesians are Gentiles, so there's some people like us. And he says that because, because of Jesus, we can have nearness to God. So, and he came and preached to those who are far, peace to those who are near. For through him, we have both accident and one spiritual father, so that we are no longer strangers and aliens but fellow citizens with the saints and members of God's household, built on the foundations of the, prop, the apostles, prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being whole, held together into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you will also be to built together into a dwelling place for God by the Paul, he brings all of us in here, us Gentiles as well, and he uses the same metaphor. He expounds, you can say, he expounds on, on Peter's explanation here to the, to the council. And he says, through Jesus, us who were aliens far, far away from God has now been drawn in through Jesus' sacrifice, life, death, and resurrection. We're, we've been drawn in. We're not aliens and strangers anymore. No, but we are adopted into the family of God's household. How? Well, it's all on the foundation of the uh, apostles and the prophets. And Jesus is the what? Jesus is the one, the cornerstone that holds all of this together. So, with all the Old Testament being fulfilled in who Jesus is, He's talked about Himself. You look to the Scriptures for life, but you fail to understand that they're all about Me. I am the cornerstone. Paul and Jesus says, because you are like this, you're being built into a structure where Jesus is the foundation. Joined together into a holy temple for God. Being, dwelt, being a dwelling place for God by the one Spirit. And Peter picks it up in one of his letters. Picks it up. First Peter two. He says, "Put away all." That's the beginning. Put away all these malice, slander. Long for the spiritual milk. Grow up in your salvation. 
as you see that God is good. And as you come to Him, a living stone, rejected by men. Peter, maybe you talk about this sermon that he has said, rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. You yourselves are like living stones being built up as a spiritual house, to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices, like um, um, Vlad was reading from Romans 12. Spiritual sacrifices. Uh, acceptable to God through Jesus Christ for it stands in scripture and then he uh, quotes from Isaiah Behold I'm laying inside a stone a cornerstone chosen and precious and whoever believes in him will not be pushed for the honor is for you who believe but for those who do not believe the stone that has been rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone of, of stumbling and a rock so this sermon that, uh, that Peter uh, uh, delivers, that the rulers have rejected the cornerstone, the one who's from the foundation, they're everything, was Paul and Peter picks up as very important in the life of what the church actually is. That it's built on Jesus as the cornerstone. And, and expounding on this, uh, Maybe we'll come back to it. Good. But this means also that this also means that when when we made a new creation in Christ, He is a what do you call uh, when you play a certain game and then the fifth uh, fifth uh, number five of uh, of spades, it's like you remove everything off the table. It's uh, sorry, that's the game in Danish card game. But what what needs to happen is that when Jesus saves you, whatever you build up, it needs to it has, all has to go away because Jesus needs to be the corner. Jesus is not Jesus is not some add-on onto your Lego blocks. No, it starts all over because you are invited into a new family and you are. You become a new creation. Everything starts over. We cannot build on Jesus if we are not the living stone. And Jesus does not become our cornerstone if He is not the foundation. And so, the, so how do they? How do they? How do they respond? <laughs> This is where we were, I was going before saying he's just had these two great sermons where people are responding, they're really responding, you know, coming to Jesus. Um, they have different attitudes. As they say, they see that Peter and James are bold, and they see that they're common fishermen who hasn't been edu educated, and they are astonished at that. They know that, they, and they know they, and they know they have been with Jesus. Uh, and they know that the healed guy that they probably see him every day when they go to work, he's right there. So they're adding all these things up there, confused and amazed. It doesn't convince them. It could still be a devil worshiper, so something changed. So it's not it's not convincing at all. Their their hot their hearts are so hot that there's they don't listen. It's like when Jesus asks them a question, or they they ask they ask Jesus. Uh, why, with what authority do you do this? And then Jesus says, 
I will tell you if you tell me what, where, where was John's baptism from. Then they go away and they talk about themselves and say, we don't know. But they, they know. They just don't want to answer. So again here, they don't have any answers. They don't know how to respond. But they just want to cover it up. So instead of having their... Peter's just... He's laid out again from the Old Testament Scriptures who Jesus is. They don't want to hear it. They don't even listen. They're amazed by the sign and they're amazed by their boldness of these fishers, men. But it, we have to go back to business. And what is business? Business is, is getting people to, to not talk about this Jesus because we've already killed him and we don't need this stuff uh, coming, coming up anymore. Although it would seem all the evidence is posted, and they even say we cannot deny it, uh, but we need to, you know, do some fire exchange in here and get them to stop doing this. So they call them back to him, and uh, then they say, okay, we're not going to punish you because we can't. But that's not what they say, but they can't punish them. And they're not willing to do that because they don't have anything that they can accuse them for. Because, again, like Peter said, what have they done? They've done a good deed. They healed a man. Or Jesus healed a man. So they, cut, they take them in and they threaten them. And they say, okay, you got to stop talking in this name. And then and Peter, Peter responds, uh, well, I, we, we hear you, but you're not making sense. Like, we, we, I just wrote this great sermon to you guys, and you don't listen, and now you want us to stop doing what God told us to do? You want to stop, you want us, like you guys who are protecting yourself and are putting your family and stuff in the councils, you want us to listen to you guys instead of what God has asked us to. Peter uh, uh, this is exactly what Jesus asked us to, that we would be witnesses of his resurrection. This is, what, this is our mission. This is what we're here for. This is what God has commissioned us to do. And you're asking us to listen to you. And Peter says, yeah, that's not going to happen. We're not going to listen to you. We're going to listen to God. Um, and so there's no way that they can do what they're asked to do by the council. Um, but we'll see next week what they then do do, which is really good. And they go back. They go back to praying together. And then you might be sitting there thinking, okay, this is a great story. Um, I mean, this is I mean, I like Peter. He does a good sermon there. Um, he really uh, pushes the buttons of the Sanhedrin and the Jews. Um, but what does that have to do with me? It's always a good question. I think sometimes we ask that question too fast. But it's a good question to ask us something. The question I, I, I kind of try to always have in front of us is what does the text say about who God is? How is that encouraging? And then how do we then apply that? What do we see about who God is here? Uh, I'm not going to talk much about it, but we encourage you to also join the Bible study. And we'll talk more about those things as well. But we see that God had a plan all along. 
He knew that Jesus would be rejected. He still came. He still made a way of now saving tons of people at this point. Jesus promised the Holy Spirit would come and came. Peter has now been witnessed three times about Jesus' death and resurrection. Twice with massive results. Second, the uh, third one, not so much because they didn't really want to listen. So where does that end up with us? One, one of the two big questions is, and this one, this one maybe is kind of sting a little bit. <laughs> most of the time when we read, well, most of the time when we read in the scriptures, we are not always the, um, we're not always the victim people. So if we look at our own lives, does our lives look more like Peter and John's? Or do they look more like the people in the same region? So that's one of the things we can just think and evaluate. Are we more protecting our own things than actually listening to what God wants us to do? Um, so those are some of the good, like, overarching things to just to be thinking about. Um, also, one that maybe stinks for some of us is, and this is a prayer. I mean, this is my prayer through through the Book of Acts and for us as a church is that we'll be salt and light in the city. But how many times have we been shut up by somebody? How many times have somebody shut us up by threatening us or by ridiculing us? It's a very good tactic of the evil one because how can people hear the word if they don't speak and live it out? So the question is, who shut you up from speaking about who Jesus is. We have the same mission uh, as the apostles to witness about Jesus. But who is able to shut us down? Um, there are some few other things you could we can think about, but, but those are some of the main ones. And then the main theme, the main theme of the passage is, which is the biggest question is, what does it mean that Jesus is the cornerstone? What does it mean that in Christ you are a living soul? How does that work out in our lives as well? That, that even in these three sermons um, that, Peter, uh, that Peter preaches, he preaches the whole gospel. Not the gospel of like, if you come to Jesus, you're going to be rich, you're going to be healthy, you know, everything's going to be great. Now he preaches the whole thing. He says like, you guys killed Jesus. This is the third one. You guys killed Jesus. And you know what? The wrath of God is coming from That's what happened. And then the same here is like, what's going to happen to you if you reject Jesus? He's going to crush you. So the question can even be, when we do share, do we share the whole gospel? Do we share all of it? That the gospel is good news after bad news. So it's good to 
be encouraged with but also be challenged with. That we're actually showing that who God is, His righteousness, but also His mercy. But both of them are. That they are together. I think that was mostly what I had on this chick in the notes. Oh, yes, my, my last part. Um, Jesus being our cornerstone, our solid rock, who would, as the psalmist says, we were taken out of the mire and put on the rock. The rock's Jesus. Do we enjoy, do we celebrate long for to be with this Jesus our course. Is that a great joy? Because I, I think a lot of like, a lot of what you can hear from me is just like, oh, he's just condemning us and everything. What we were always want to is point to, to who God is. And to put on point to his righteousness, his justice, but also his extreme mercy and love and grace towards us. And we see that in Jesus Christ. We see that we all have the best news in the whole world. That although we were condemned through Jesus, we can be reconciled. And what she, also what Paul said, but, but also what Paul says, we were far off, aliens, through Jesus. We are invited into God's family. That is a huge blessing and encouragement. So I want to continue to encourage you all and myself to see we, we do have the best news in the whole world. That, that we can be reconciled to God. We can be adopted into God's family. And it's, it's, it's my prayer and my hope for all of us that we will grasp and understand how good the good news we have is. Jesus Christ, the cornerstone. The one that saves us, encouraging us, draws us in to his family. And we can all be built together into the temple of God. We have the best news, guys. Best news. Nobody else has anything like this. Eternal life with God forever. In a, in a place where there's no sickness, death, and tears. Everything made restored. So that's what we have for you. Uh, Mario's just going to speak next time on the church praying together. So that's going to be really exciting and good. Um, so you can prepare for that. So if you want to prepare for next week, you just keep reading the rest of the four. And so that will be what we'll talk about next week. But let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you so much. Thank you that you are an amazing God. Your righteous justice, your, your true love shown in Christ. You show us mercy. You show us grace. That even though we all rejected you, we all rebelled against you, we all 
rejected Jesus first. That you could open up our eyes to see the beauty of who Jesus is. That he really is the cornerstone. The one that can, we can build all our lives on through you. Lord, thank you that it's possible for us to be adopted into your family and be built in love into a temple where you reside. So we thank you for that. Pray for all of us, Lord, that you would help us understand how good the good news we have. I know you know, but help us to know. Holy Spirit, stir that up in us as we share the good news with other people. That is an overflow of us to other people because of what you've done. So we ask that you would do that. I'm going to pray for people watching, the people here, hearing this later, Lord. That don't understand. That hasn't accepted you as your personal Lord and Savior. Lord, I pray that you would draw their hearts and minds to you. And that they would experience your mercy, grace, and kindness. And not your wrath, justice, wrath. So pray you be honored, glorified, and in our lives day by day as you grow our faith in who you are. Thank you and be gracious. So you may stand up for the benediction. <clears throat> for Hebrews uh, 13, 20. May the God of peace who brought, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead, our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will. And may his work in us, may he, may he work in us which is pleasing in his. Please to him through Jesus Christ who will be a glory forever and ever.